0: Hello, and welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to the second part of the Giving is Living sermon from Pastor Azzolini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. Thank you all so much for standing. If you'll remain standing for just one more moment, we're going to quickly get into the word of the Lord tonight. I have just one scripture to read before I let you be seated. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 8. And verse 17, Proverbs chapter 8, and verse 17. How many of you enjoyed the giving is living lesson that we did a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Amen. I'm glad you enjoyed it because this is part two. <laughs> amen. I was testing the waters. You know, I was like, if they say no, I'm flipping to something else. No. Proverbs eight, seventeen. If you have it, say amen. I love them that love me and those that seek me early, everybody say early, early shall find me. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful to be in your house tonight, thankful for every person that has made their way to the house of the Lord and every person that is tuning in online tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to us from your word, Lord, that you would move upon our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Giving is living. If you'll recall, for those that may have been here that night, uh, we talked about three different areas of our life where we give. We talked about our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we also talked about in in that first lesson that God created us to be Givers. And he did that by setting an example with his own life and giving his life so that we can have life and life more abundantly. And that is the foundation and the premise that we are building off of tonight as we continue in this lesson. I want to tell you, I want to open this just by telling you a brief story. Uh, And it was just, you know, there's things that happen when you walk with God on your journey, there's key there's key moments in your walk with God. How many of you have found that to be true? Where there, There's little moments where God steps in and takes you to the next level or does something that really changes you from the inside out. And this was one of those moments. I uh, used to do lawn care and landscaping a long, long time ago. I didn't do nearly as good of a job as the people here do on our property, but, but nonetheless, I did have a business. And I remember there were t- there was this one night where I was frustrated, and just there was things going on just, you know, that come with owning a business, just being tired, worn out, whatever. And I came to family prayer one night. It was on a Saturday evening at 6 p.m., and everyone was praying, and Bishop Stark was walking around. And at that point, there was kind of some volume in the room as the prayer meeting had kind of grown and the faith was elevating. And just out of nowhere, as, as Bishop was walking by, I was kind of not praying the way that I usually pray. Usually when I pray, I'm pretty enthusiastic about my prayer. And, and I like to pray fervently and with energy. And, and, and it was obvious that I was... Uh, not praying the way that I usually pray. And he just kind of stopped. And right in front of everybody, he just turned and looked at me and pointed his finger. And he said, Vinny, if you will get up every morning and pray one hour a day, he said the frustrations that are plaguing you right now, he said God will begin to speak to each and every one of those and give you clarity and peace in your life. Wow, man, that's exactly how I felt. I just felt like somebody punched me in the gut. But it wasn't a bad thing because I knew it was a word from the Lord. That was well over a decade ago. And immediately I embarked on this endeavor to pray an hour every morning. And it did not go well at first. It took several years for me to get my flesh to a place on an altar where the spirit that fills me the holy ghost was on the throne and in charge in my life and i was able to pray every single day but just what he said is exactly what happened in my life as I embarked on this endeavor to spend an hour in prayer with the Lord every morning. Now, we set a precedent for an hour of prayer in our first lesson in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Lord looked at his disciples and said, Would you pray with me one hour? Right? Amen? Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about the verse that we read. I love them that love me and those that seek me. Early shall find me because there's something very powerful about that word early that I didn't used to know, but that I know now early does not necessarily imply a time of day, but rather it reveals an order early is first early translates to first Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits, and that's what I want to focus on here, with the first fruits of all thine increase. And right now, we're talking about time. So when I read those two verses and I put together my responsibility to pray first and spend time with Jesus first and my first fruits, I then learn, infer from the word of God. You know what? I want the first thing that I do when I wake up, whether I work third shift or second shift or first shift, whenever I sleep, first thing I want to do is spend time with Jesus. Because whether that's at 9 p.m. or 3 p.m. or 6 a.m., early is first. Amen? Amen. Traditionally and correctly, we apply this verse to our finance, but this verse has a greater application than just finance. The Bible says, All thine increase, the first fruits of all thine increase. Every morning I wake up, it is because he has gifted me another day. He has increased my time. So I want to give him the first fruits of my time. Every time I start my day, there's a great teacher and preacher by the name of Terry shock for, I know there's some, some of you out here that, that love finding new people to listen to or whatever. Uh, Terry shock is a great teacher and preacher. And my wife actually sends me his podcast sometimes, especially when she wants me to learn something. Amen. (laughs) And she sent me this a while back, and she was just uh, very enthralled by it, and I listened to it. And he was talking about the principle of early. And on his podcast, he talks about when he gets up in the morning, he endeavors to give God the first of everything every day. This is so powerful. He said his first words that he speaks before he gets out of bed Are words of praise he wants the first words he speaks to be given to the Lord and to be about the Lord the first thing that he reads he doesn't grab his phone and open up Facebook or check the bank account or check the news app But the first thing he reads is the Word of God. He said, even if it's just a scripture. He said, I'm not necessarily doing all my Bible reading or my study right then. He said, but I just want to set my mind in the right order for the day. So I give God the first fruits by reading the Word first. And his first segment of time that he spends every day is on prayer. He seeks God early or first. Now, my definition... Of religion is tradition without God or ritual without life. That's my definition. That's what I think of when I think of religion. Seeking God early or first helps protect us from dead religion in our life. I don't want to just have rituals and traditions and habits, but I want the life that is in me, the life that was given to me when God filled me with his spirit to be in every area of my life. So when I give him praise first, I... I expect that there's going to be life in my words that day. When I read his word first, I expect that my mind and my thoughts are going to be full of life that day because his word renews my mind. When I pray and I spend time in his presence first, I expect that every encounter and relationship that I have and everybody that I talk to that day, that I'm not bringing negativity or doom and gloom, but I'm bringing life with me because of the presence that i've been inside of that's what why giving is living and that's why we give him our time first amen our flesh likes tradition it likes rituals it likes ceremonial service but our flesh hates to die out to itself i can come to church I can raise my hands. I can experience the moving of the Holy Ghost in a service. I can give of my finances. I can show up and serve when it's needed. And I can do all of that. Hear the pastor tonight. I can do all of that in the flesh and feel good about myself doing it. I can be a ritualistic apostolic if I want to. I can come in and glean from a collective atmosphere of faith but not know him for myself because I don't give him the first fruits of my time. But rather than that, I'd rather come to the house of God and be a contributor and bring life with me every time I step into this building. Seeking him first, seeking him early, dying to my flesh, crucifying the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life on an altar in prayer makes room for Jesus to abide. Mm, woo, hallelujah. Let me tell you something. You can be a traditionalist, a ceremonialist and 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 just be enthralled with religion if you want to, but if that's the way you live, Jesus will only be a visitor in your life. He will not abide in your life. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Makes room for Jesus, the life giver, the soul satisfier, the breath that is in us. Hallelujah. The greatest daily investment of my time is in prayer and in the word of God. Come on, that was an easy amen, Hallelujah. Matthew 633 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The only way to seek the kingdom is by spending time with the king. I embarked on that journey of praying an hour every day. It was well over 10 years ago and A few years in, I was kind of, you know, I'd I'd go on on a hot streak and I'd do it pretty consistently and then I, you know, would kind of fall off a little bit. And so, uh, how many of you like to make New Year's resolutions? Any of those people in here? Like like one, me and Dwight, hallelujah, all right, me and Dwight, we're New Year's resolution guys. Amen, hallelujah, I'll see you on the 31st, We'll, we'll compare notes. Right, I'm a New Year's resolution guy. always have been. I got journals. I do it every single year, pray through December, at, talking to the Lord about the upcoming year. And every year I would make a list of stuff, and it was just like I, I would shoot for the moon every single year, right? And, and And I noticed I would usually only accomplish a couple of those things and only to a certain extent, not the fullest extent of what I wanted. And so one year... It was a few years after Bishop Stark said that to me. I woke up and I came to Jennifer and I said, babe, I said, this year I'm only making one New Year's resolution. And I asked her to make it with me. I said, will you commit with me that this year, no matter what, every single morning, I said, it doesn't matter if we do everything else, that, that everything else that we want to do right doesn't work out. I said, let's commit to praying an hour together every single morning. And I will tell you that that year, not only did we do it, but it became a part of the spiritual root system of our lives. And it began to change the landscape of our life. I'm just going to tell you right now, if there are things in your life that you are frustrated about and not happy with, prayer changes things. God hears, listens, moves, and responds to your prayers. We serve a God that hears us. We serve a God that loves us. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I'm, I'm getting ready to move on to talent, but I'll just tell you one last thing about your time there is a book called The Nautical Hour by Tony Bailey. The Nautical Hour by Tony Bailey. And Tony Bailey makes a very compelling case for early morning prayer. I will tell you as your pastor, I do not take this book as gospel, but it is definitely noteworthy. He, he makes a very good scriptural case for early morning prayer. So i am just throwing that out there for all you all you readers. So we give in our time, our talent, and our treasure. We talked about time. Let's talk a little bit more about talent. How many of you remember or know the parable of the talents? All right. Well, only about five of you, so I guess I'm going to have to read it. How many of you know the parable of the talents? All right. If you don't know it, it's very simple. The Lord distributed talents to three people. Some people grew those talents in, the, in his absence, but one man buried his talent. And when the Lord came back for a return on his investment in their life, only two of them had grown what he had given them and one had merely preserved what he had given them and I want to pick it up right there Matthew 2528 is what the Lord is speaking to the man with one talent who buried it dug it up gave it back and it did not grow take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents he multiplied the man that grew the talents now talents in the context of the parable that is in Matthew 25 is a measure of finance. It's actually it literally translated, it's a measure of money. But I want to look at it in a little bit of a different light. Talents are also valuable skill sets that are profitable. Amen? Amen. God expects us to invest our skill sets, our aptitude, our giftings, into his kingdom. If he gave it to you, he expects you to use it in his kingdom. Amen? This is the essence of our faith team's initiative here at Greater Faith Apostolic Church. Every week, people from the church come here. They mow the grass, pull weeds, water the flowers. They schedule maintenance on the building, on the van. They work on different projects that need to be done. This is an investment of their aptitude. This is what the investment of the talents looks like. We don't need an investment of capacity with criticism. Mmm. Uh Uh-oh, flipped it on you. But rather, the church needs you to invest your aptitude with a great attitude. Mm. Well, Pastor, I'm not sure if I have any talents. We all have talents that we can contribute to the kingdom. Can you pray? You can pray for the saints, And God bless you, you can pray for the pastor. Can you attend church faithfully? You can show up and contribute in praise, agreement, and faith. If you got a voice, you got a talent. Because you can contribute to an atmosphere of faith by showing up, praising God, And speaking out when truth is proclaimed. Mm. Can you obey? Do you have the capacity for obedience? You can be an example of obedience by submitting to the whole counsel of God. By obeying and living his word in the building and in your daily life. And in your conversations and in your attitudes, you are investing your capacity for obedience into the kingdom of God. And it will get on other people and help other people grow. Mm. Hallelujah. The answer is yes. Yes, you can pray. You can attend. You can obey. All of us are created with the ability to choose those things. To choose those things. Those are choices. That we make we already know we have the aptitude but we choose whether or not we're going to capitalize on that that is your foundational first investment of talent in the kingdom is your attendance your prayers and your worship that's where we all start that's where the initial investment begins somebody say amen the next is service. Can you serve? Can you, brother Jim? Can somebody drive a van? Bless God. I love, He held it up. He said, "I've been praying about this." I'm like, oh "My God, have mercy!" I was shouting, "Amen!" from two hours away. I'm like, "Preach that, brother." Can you drive a van? Can you push a broom? Do you have skill? Do you have a skilled trade that you know how to do? Can you be kind and hospitable? Do you have giftings and administration and organization? And there are many other categories that I could ask you about tonight. But the obvious answer is yes. Yes, we can all do some of these things. These are talents that each of us have that we can contribute to the kingdom of God. And we should. Mm. Our willingness to invest our natural aptitude will help determine our spiritual altitude. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to invest your aptitude, you will fly at a very low altitude with God. Some of you are trying to decide if you agree. An investment of aptitude with a great attitude will lead you to greater altitudes. The Lord gave the man with ten talents the talent that formerly belonged to the man with one talent. You know what that is? That's kingdom ROI. If you use what you got, God will give you more. When you invest what he has given you a capacity to do, he will always give you a return on your investment. Amen. If you want to grow in God and grow in the kingdom, you must invest your aptitude. Praise God. Your time, your talent, your treasure. Let's talk about treasure. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. And I'm going to read this to you in the amplified in the classic amplified version. Let each one give. As he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion for God loves. He takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it. Giver whose heart is in his giving. Is that an amazing way to say that verse? Man, I, I love just how much they pulled out of that verse. It's such a blessing. I believe when you sow corn, you get corn. I believe when you plant tomato seeds, what do you get, Brother Dwight? Every time. My God. Now watch this. I believe when you sow finance, you reap provision. Provision. In our world, money equates to the ability for us to provide for ourselves. But He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm-mm-mm. In God's kingdom, giving of finance releases God. To provide for us. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Sometimes we tie God's hands because we won't open ours. Mm. Well, I'm going to run because I'm preaching good. Amen. The more I give, watch this, the more jurisdictional authority that I give to God to make provision decisions in my life I want him to decide what I need giving puts you on a journey of trust with God that only giving can do When you give, he sits in the driver's seat of provision in your life. Giving financially to the kingdom does not mean I will get everything that I want in this life. Somebody say amen. In fact, it may just mean the opposite. It may mean that instead of God giving me what I want, which may destroy me, I release him to give me what I need And that will keep me. Mm. And I have to trust that he knows the difference and that he knows better than I do. Mm. The greatest way to keep me off and him on the throne of my life is to give my time, my talent, and my treasure. I give him my time in prayer and the reading of the word. Early or first I give him my talent by offering my aptitude and good attitude in service to the kingdom of God and I give my treasure by returning the tithes and the giving of offerings in the kingdom of God giving truly is living. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others, as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.